You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mama. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Millie's Hey there, welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast Last one before the All-Star break Wait, is this the last one? No, the we got break? another one We gotta do another one Damn it! Oh, my Don't worry, we'll mailbag it. Yes, yes. All-star mailbag. All-star mailbag. See, I like how we say mailbag, but usually it's really mail it in. Yeah, no, that's what, what I mean. It's yeah. the mail it in show. No, I'm just joking. We're the Rain and Jays. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by Samuel Jamison Packard the Third, Jam. Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam. And we're here after the Celtics beat the Detroit Pistons, one eighteen. Hey, people are walking by. It's Quanee Lewis. What's up? One eighteen, one ten. Should not have been this close. Another late collapse. Another twenty-eight point second straight home game where they let a twenty-eight point lead slip away. Luckily, this time they caught themselves. They stopped the free fall. They held off the Pistons. They win. They are now winners of 12 of their last 15. So if you put it that way, 12 of the last 15, couple straight wins. Sounds pretty good. Uh, not bad. Not a bad Celtics basketball says, Seems like they're okay. This is a good squadron. Um, but uh, because they had the those the horrific loss to the Lakers and the Clippers, um, people are uh, people are not that happy around Celtics land. But I think like. It swings so much uh, back in the other direction. You have one uh, kind of epic win against the 76ers, a decent win tonight, a decent three quarters here tonight, and people are, should be feeling good heading into the All-Star break. The Celtics, I think, with the Pacers losing tonight, are a half game back of the third place in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I thought they played well tonight, and I think the, the best sign for the Boston Celtics moving forward is Gordon Hayward's back. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to officially say that he's back, but, but I liked your wave analogy last night. Thank you. But I'm going to say there's some said. global warming stuff going on, so waters are <laughs> rising. A rising tide is good for all the boats. That's <laughs> he, yes. It's, he's put in consistent performances in I would say three games now. I know that's not a huge sample size, but I think it's been. Uh, a very solid performance from Hayward, and tonight he can just continued. What did he score? He had 18 points on, on just eight shots. On just eight shots, seven of eight from the line. That's a big. That's he knocked a big down stat. one three, but all his other points were at the rim. He was just uh, as the main ball handler in the pick and roll. I just thought he did a damn good job of getting to the rim, um, and just his aggression seems to be uh, there, and he seems to be looking to get to the basket. He still had a. He's still not exploding. He's still not dunking over people, but. I think he's taking a lot of steps in the right direction just for his confidence. 
uh, I think he's been huge. And he's a huge reason why they won the Sixers game, a huge reason why they won tonight. And everyone talks about the uh, teams in the East loading up for the, during the trade deadline. Marc Gasol, uh, Tobias Harris, Nikola Mirotic. If they get a healthy or approaching healthy Gordon Hayward, that's the best addition of any team. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the fact that he is, is coming along here. Uh, I like the fact that he's making me look good by doing it in that four-month span, that four-month thing that I was talking about. It's actually starting to happen. So for once, I feel like I might have been right about this. Gordon Hayward, over the last uh, five games, 17 points on 61.2% shooting, 9 of 18 from 3. That's 50%. Quick math. Oh, well done. Well done. Uh, Five five rebounds and almost five assists. That's a, a hell of a line over the, the, the last five games. If we were to say, and I don't know that this is going to be the case or if we even should expect it, but forget the shooting numbers, that's ridiculous. But if he can give the Celtics 17-5-5 and five that's moving forward, that's a all huge, you need. that's huge. Because if you can count on him to get you somewhere in that range, you know, 15-4-3, you know, somewhere in that, in that range, if you can kind of count on that, that is a significant upgrade from the Gordon Hayward that we saw at the beginning of the season. Especially if it's coming off the bench as kind of that, the leader of the second unit. He's, we saw him be the, the starter tonight because both Terry and Kyrie were out. But we've seen the numbers, and they've crept back up because of the dumb, are oh, the Celtics better without Kyrie Irving takes? But if you look at the net rating, uh, they're much better with Kyrie Irving on the court. <laughs> Just surprise, surprise. They really struggle to score uh, when he's on the bench or not playing. And so if you can get a guy like Gordon Hayward to just kind of be the anchor of that second unit to be a consistent... 15 to 20 point score that just makes the life easier for the entire team can i just say how fucking dumb that notion is you may why why is this such a consistent go-to for the well i know why i blame adam jones the answer the answer is because you want to be controversial and you're trying to get reaction but you're not thinking you're not thinking it's no rational thought that says are they better without their best player? Like, instead of saying, geez, these guys are stepping up when Kyrie Irving is out, guys are stepping up. They have a deep team that allows for them to accommodate for these losses. And they have strengths in those scenarios, in, in those areas where you can lose a couple of guys in the perimeter and you start. Marcus Smart. And Gordon Hayward. I loved starting Gordon Hayward. I thought it was a great idea with the uh, with, with his ability to be the ball handler. I didn't think about the size, which was a, another good call to have him out there. Uh, Brad Stevens said after the game that they'd be switching a lot and having his size out there. That makes sense. But just having a guy like that that's versatile and you say, oh, well, Gordon Hayward, you can put him as a, a pseudo point guard and have him facilitate. And, and he's gotten to a point where, like you say, he can run the pick and roll well. He can see the floor. He's driving to score now, which is big. He got to the he got to the rim a couple times early. Nice finishes, going up on one side, finishing on you know over on the left side. Uh, so not quite exceptional hang time, but enough improvement so he can adjust in the air now. Uh, it's I not, like how this point started uh, ridiculing people for their Kyrie Irving takes and just evolved into praise of Gordon Hayward because that's how good he's been. But that's right. But and that's that's 
just the ability to do that. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's you know me, man. I, I'm so sick of this this crap, this sports talk radio crap. Like that's that's something that feeds all of the the bullshit. You know, it gets you know callers Joe in the car. You know, oh, oh yeah, man. Yeah, Kyrie. I don't know. Trade and then him. it gets people equally upset with how bad the take is and calls it. So it's, they it's call great. I'm that's the strategy. I'm more upset. Like I understand the people like uh, Max Kellerman's of the world and Tony Maserati's and people saying it like that. They're trying to do it for entertainment value. My, I'm more upset with the people who are doing it as a bit. Like they deliberately think that they're like being funny as it. I just don't think it's a very good bit. It's no. not very funny. It's not very original. Um, but back to Gordon Hayward, I, I think his passing tonight was really on display. He, he had him and Al Horford both had eight assists, but he I think he's the only one on the team who can do a cross court pass to the corner. If he drives right and he just has an uncanny ability to fire, um, I think tonight is two like two handed passes over his head, but immediately not like hit guys square in the corner. He's one of the few guys on the Celtics can do that, and he really. Uh, it kind of spaces the floor and is is a dynamic threat that the Celtics don't really have. I thought he's a fantastic playmaker tonight, and uh, I would really think he should be like the ball should be in his hands uh, as part of the second unit. When Rozier comes back, Rozier should be playing off ball, catch a catch and shoot guy, spot up guy, because I think Hayward's just much much more of a dynamic playmaker um, in terms of a passer, and then also just more of a threat to go to the rim because uh, we all know Tito's not the the craftiest finisher in the league. <laughs> I I'm really coming around to the idea of starting second halves with Gordon Hayward. Starting the same people keep asking me a, a lot about Gordon Hayward starting now, uh, and this will do nothing to stop that. I I don't think the Celtics have had any problems starting their numbers since November 26. We keep talking about them. They're they're they. Uh, I just looked at it yesterday. I don't know if it's changed over the past couple of games, but going into the Sixers game. They were tied with Milwaukee and Golden State for the league's best net rating since November 26th. Two pretty good teams. It's a pretty good team. And that starting unit is what's kind of driven that whole thing. So they start games fine. It's the third quarter. It's the third quarter, which didn't bite them today, but has generally been their issue. Um I like the idea, especially if the Celtics have like something like a, a 12 or 15-point lead where they tend to come out a little slow. I like the idea of starting Hayward in that situation because I don't think Hayward falls into that trap as much. And you put Marcus Morris, who I think he would start for, you put him com- coming off the bench in that situation midway through the third quarter, a guy who can create his own shot uh, and add some toughness to that, to that group. Uh, I like I like mixing it up that way, and then you could always adjust the the substitution patterns to get back to where you need to be. I think the third quarter is where the adjustments might happen. I like the idea of Gordon Hayward there. Uh, also, awesome today. You mentioned him a little bit, Al Horford. Oh my God! I mean, this dude. The past two games, man, he has been the Al Horford that that we've seen like in the playoffs. So against. The Detroit Pistons here, 17 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, Season-high 14 rebounds for him. Uh, Another 8 assists, a plus 26. And that makes so much sense because the first half... The first half was insane. The first half, he was a plus 20 in his 16 minutes. Yeah. And it was like... the Well, the first half was insane because the uh, Celtics came out on an 8-0 run. 
Then the uh, P- or Pistons went on a crazy run. Uh, I think it was eventually they went on a 17-0 run. Yep. And then the Celtics came back on their own 18-0 run. And basically, those directly coincided with Al Horford leaving the game and Al Horford coming back in the game. Yep. They just couldn't do anything with Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin. Um, and he was just... He saved them in the first half. He was the like the only reason they were did anything on defense, and he basically got the offense going. He was uh, the entire thing like Gabe. Like it was it was insane as how good he was to be. The Celtics only won the first half by five points. So uh, in the eight minutes he didn't play, the Celtics were a minus fifteen. <laughs> like he was just that That's... good in containing uh, pretty much everything that the the Pistons are doing. I mean, Blake Griffin came out here was a, a goddamn assassin in the first half. He scored 20 points and he was knocking down Steph Curry like threes and then just bullying people down low. Um, they actually started the game with Marcus Smart guarding him, which uh, did not work out well. Even, like no. Blake Griffin, he's one of the few people who just bullied Marcus Smart in the post, but he was basically doing everything. And then having Andre Drummond next to him, they be, you basically had to keep uh, Horford on Drummond uh, like that. And, he he kept him in the game. He was just uh, phenomenal. I uh, just looking at his halftime stats. He only had eight points, but he already had, he had eight points and already had eight rebounds and five assists. Like, yeah, he, he was, did everything. He was a, a monster rebounding. I mean, that's what he he controlled the. He finished off defensive possessions by rebounding, keeping Andre Drummond off the boards, and getting the Celtics out and running and and really controlled things in that regard uh, and helped facilitate. Um, I think what uh, – well, when you talk about Blake Griffin, that match – Blake Griffin, first of all, is just a giant person. Like, he is – He is he's thick. He's a thick boy. He is, he is like, tree trunks for legs. Uh, it's a, it's a shame that the Pistons have the roster that they do because he's really – with his three-point shooting, was kind of like rejuvenated his career. There was a, uh, a season where he was like number three in MVP voting, and he was just like the, one of the most dynamic players in the game. And then you just look at this Pistons roster, specifically their bench, specifically the fact that they start Reggie Jackson at point guard. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, I just wish Blake Griffin was in a better position because he was he was dominant tonight, uh, yeah. especially in the first half. Um the Celtics didn't have an answer for him. No, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, he he. I've never seen Marcus Smart backed down so easily from like two feet inside the the three-point line to the rim in three bumps like it was uh it was nuts and then he hit a shot Blake hit a shot must have been a 35 footer with the shot clock winding down and it swished and Marcus Smart turned around and he just gave a look like wow (laughs) I don't know what to do with this what do you do there like he did everything right it was a it was a last second shot and just drilled it. So uh, he had 20 points in the first half. The good thing is, is that the Celtics held him to 12 in in the second half, which a 12 point half is a pretty good half. Uh, and most of that came in that kind of the weird comeback in the in the fourth quarter. They really where the Celtics extended their big lead in this game, and really why they were able to win because it's hard to come back from 28, uh, even when you're playing the Celtics. <laughs> uh, uh, it was in that third quarter, and he they really. I mean, the Pistons did have, like went a long stretch in the third quarter without scoring, and I thought they did a great job um, defending him uh, and just kind of making anyone else on the team beat them, and that's just not something that these Pistons are prepared to do. Let's take a quick break here, come back, talk about the, the, the third quarter where the Celtics got some separation, some of the fourth quarter stuff. 
We'll do that when we return on the Locked On Celtics podcast. quarter rolls around in this game and the Celtics do something a little bit different here uh, they went up uh, I forget exactly how far up they were but they um, pulled Al Horford out and usually what they did they, they'd play him for the first uh, six minutes or so sit him for four minutes somewhere on the four minute mark after a timeout bring him in they kept him on the bench, and I thought that would be a critical time to see. Like, I think what Brad Stevens was trying to do was preserve him a little bit, like any chance you get. I know they're going into the All-Star break, but he if you don't have to play Al Horford, you don't play Al Horford. Especially back-to-back after he just yeah. his battles with Embiid for 35 minutes. Don't want to risk it, and he's already been banging with Andre Drummond. And the Celtics actually extend, extend the lead, hold the lead, and... This game starts to turn into a blowout. In fact, they put them themselves in position for Al Horford to come back in the game at the end, at the end of the thir- third quarter, with like a minute to go. So you got an extra few minutes on the bench, and then they come out in the fir- the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they push that lead up to twenty eight points. I thought it was really interesting, and I'm I'm happy that it worked out for at least a little bit that Brad Stevens did that. It was a good job by Daniel Tice, who had spent the entire previous Pistons game and most of this Pistons game getting just shoved around, but he actually started rebounding against Drummond, blocked him once, I believe. Uh, Ogley came in and gave some good minutes, and I thought in that third quarter, the Celtics were really showing themselves to be like a, a little bit more complete, a little bit more uh, focused, and I thought that that stretch was going to be the thing that we talked about for most of the night. In fact, after the, I was preparing my post-game questions and what happened later in the fourth quarter kind of eliminated all of my post-game questions for Brad because they just fell apart again at the, in the fourth quarter. But before we talk about the, the meltdown, which was just a turnover... Uh, oh, brutal. Laced, brutal, brutal. Uh, time of shittiness. Uh, <laughs> Didn't have a great way to describe it, but I think I got by. That's the, that works. The third quarter was um, their defense was uh, amazing. They held. This is when I was, they held Blake Griffin to basically um, six points in the quarter, but they held like only nineteen shots for the Pistons in that entire uh, quarter. And is basically uh, the Pistons only shot twenty six percent. They were five of nineteen. Um, and the Celtics just their ball movement was great. They had eight assists, and you know what happened? The confidence of Marcus Smart propels him forward. After missing 20 threes in a row, he kept chucking, and he made one. Not one, not two, not three, but four threes in a row. Um, I think three on uh, consecutive possessions. He was definitely feeling it, but the the ball movement was just there. Uh, Tatum also had two threes, uh, which both of them felt like incredibly wide open. They were moving the basketball well. Um I thought Semi gave them some good minutes there, uh, and so they really did a good job of just kind of of stymieing the uh, the Pistons. And then 
actually like I so in my notes I uh, Horford came out I was like oh god when's this game like this game's gonna come back like they were up by I think 12 or 14 at that point I was like oh no this is when it uh, goes and then the, like Smurf goes on that run and then the true culprit of this game Tony 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 Brothers takes over <laughs> oh god oh my god oh that, my god I mean the, the 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 players on the court didn't help I think the Pistons had four fouls on one possession. Um, but the game slowed down, and it just seemed like everything so uh, slowed down, and it was brutal. Uh, I'm trying to, like, how many fouls were in that? Uh, ten fouls by the Celtics and six fouls by the uh, yeah. Pistons in that quarter. Uh, we had the crazy Andre Drummond flopping and a tech getting called on Tice when it was just nothing, and they had to review it. It was just an, an absurd an absurd kind of third quarter that took all momentum or flow or rhythm out of the game. And it was, it was, wasn't fun. Like it, it just really is that like was so bad to watch. It was, it was confusing. Like I would look, so I look down, I look up and, and Andre Drummond suddenly on the floor and I'm looking at the replay. I'm like, and, and it just, I don't know, man, they, they come up with some stuff. I think once they call a technical foul, you can't take it away. That's what Jay King uh, told me uh, during the game. I got uh, due to uh, reasons beyond my control tonight. I got to sit next to Jay King during the game, and <laughs> believe me, you'll be hearing about that in the junk drawer. But he, <laughs> yes, he I'm... told me that uh, once you call a tech, you can't rescind it. So they actually ended up reviewing it, but it was it was absolutely absurd. Later in the quarter, Blake Griffin just slipped and fell down. They called the foul on Jalen Brown. Yes, like there's just it was that just was on a post it, move, and they call it a trip. Because, uh, never mind. Uh, I was it was just absolutely it, was just absurd, crap. and there was like trust me. all any energy or momentum kind of like uh, came out of the game. I'm not going to give the Celtics a pass for like what subsequently happened in the fourth quarter because no. of it, but it was just like, wow, this we went from a very very quick first half that was like less than it was basically around 45 minutes to basically a 35 minute third quarter and a 35 minute fourth quarter. Yeah, that was brutal. That was ugly and gross. Um, that third quarter, that those the flagrant fouls was the flagrant foul in the fourth. The flagrant was in the fourth. That was in the fourth, but the foul calls the just constant, constant whistles. It just, I don't know if there's if it really comes down to the refs saying oh, I got to do something here. It, it just felt like feels it. like that sometimes. I know that they would, they don't, but man, it feels like they just like oh, gotta gotta. Got to exert our influence, but that, that was just terrible. Um, but again, even after all of that, that's when the Celtics did push their lead to um, two twenty-eight. I mean, they came out in the fourth quarter and and did a you know they, they came out hot. Something about getting to twenty-eight points makes them relax, and once they got to twenty-eight points, they had. Six turnovers in a very short span. I want to say it was probably like a six-minute span in the fourth quarter. And the, in fact, let's see here, in the points off of turnovers, uh, eight points off of Celtics turnovers in that half, in that quarter, uh, which uh, just brutal. Celtics shot, well, actually they shot okay, but um, the turnovers killed them. And the the Pistons 
had opportunities. They It's not like the Pistons were like were playing great basketball. It's just no, the, they, it was pretty horrendous basketball all the way around. They they shot 50%, but they missed makeable shots. Like that this could have gone a lot worse. The Celtics gave up 38 points in that fourth quarter. And I, I think it was just it goes back to the laziness thing. And I had a friend text me after the Sixers game and said, he said, "I know I should be happy about this." But it just highlights how infuriating this team is that they spent three quarters in this game playing great. And and Brad Stevens said that they were well, he used the word cashed. I've never seen uh, never heard anybody I've, say cashed as far I've as heard gassed. that only in referring to uh smoking pot. Like yeah. that bowl is cash. So oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. Brad Stevens. Yeah, Did he admit to something there? <laughs> that team was cashed, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I don't want to. Th- I don't think that that was just like, oh, we're tired. I mean, maybe some of it. It could have been. I if mean, second night have, of back to back. If they didn't have the Lakers and the Clippers and the whole first twenty games of the season, you could probably explain that away. And maybe that is what happened. But it's just another infuriating. Like they were so good. You just pumped it up to twenty eight. Go ahead, pump it up to thirty five. Let's get some. Make the other team. Pull out its starters. Don't relax when Blake Griffin is still in the game. Don't relax when Andre Drummond is still in the game. Put it on him. Put it, hit two more shots. Keep playing for two more minutes. All it takes is that one more little bit, and then they will wave the white flag. Make them wave the white flag. No one after the game cared to ask about that because everybody's sick of those questions. Everybody's sick of answering those questions. We know what's happening. So and and I think everybody just kind of want to get out of here after the game, but it's it's just as a fan, I'm sure people will watch that and say, "Well, why are you, why are you doing this?" The one thing I did notice, though, I think he pulled Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum got out really careless and had a couple of bad turnovers, and he pulled he pulled Tatum out after the second of his really bad turnovers. Tatum had two turnovers during that stretch. Smart had two turnovers, and Mook had two turnovers during yeah. that stretch. None of them were uh, were great. None uh, of them were great, but like Mook, Mook dribbled it off somebody's foot. Like Tatum would seemed Tatum in transition lazy. can get real sloppy sometimes. Yeah, doing some wild spin moves and just uh, not great stuff. He needs to work on his ball handling over the summer. The, really the thing needs. that I really think happened. Nine thirty came around. Isaiah Thomas checked into the game in Denver, <laughs> and I just see every single screen in the media section turned to che- uh, watching that game. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like the Celtics checked out too when they were watching Isaiah Thomas. That's but you're right; funny. The, the offense was just uh, was pretty sloppy. I mean, it, the the sloppy basketball game continued. Uh, the Pistons got a lot of their points um, from the free throw line in that fourth quarter. Um, but you're right; the offense just wasn't great. And thank God for Al Horford because when the the Pistons finally cut it to 10. Uh, Horford hit a huge three to kind mm-hmm. of push it right back uh, to, to 13. And then uh, it never really got closer uh, after that. Actually, they I guess it, it got cut it to eight. Cut it to eight. Uh, but that was kind of in the final Towards seconds. The end. When Dwayne Casey was still fouling down 11 with 26 seconds left. Mm. Oh, my God. Jay King was furious. <laughs> he was yelling. He was very upset. Uh, why don't we take another break we'll come back with some tweets and this highly anticipated drunk drawer because i need to hear what a game is like sitting next to jay king so we'll do that when we come back on the locked on celtics podcast (laughs) 
Every game we ask you to tweet us. Use the hashtag Rain and Jays for your basketball questions and comments. Use Rain and Junk for your junk. And we will read some of them on the podcast and react. That's what we're doing now. So let's just fly blind. I haven't looked at any of these. We're just going to rip them off here. At Jake Isenberg, Hayward with 34 minutes in the second night of a back-to-back. That's a very good point. That um, That's kind of... Part part of me is like that's really cool that he did that that he was able to do that and I think because they're heading in, into the All Star break, Brad Stevens felt okay doing that. Uh, on the other hand, a little upsetting that they had to do that. Yeah, there was a point where there was just like, oh no, Al Horford's coming out of the game. He's not going to be able to get a triple double. And then I was like, oh wait a second, the starters are coming back in <laughs> because this has not gone well. And here come the pretzels. Uh, it's a terrible day for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> At Title City Boston, I need an answer to this important question. After missing twenty straight threes, then making four in a row, does the J King believe Smart's three point shooting is for real? I I don't know the. I'm going to say that he probably does not. Okay, so well, this is this is start of the J King moment. Marcus Smart started the game by missing what? His first four threes? Uh, Something like he, that. What did he finish with? He was four of nine. So he missed three. He missed three in a row to get that streak to 20. Then he hit four in a row. And then he mit- then he airballed one out. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, but for those first three misses, J. King was just cackling. <laughs> <laughs> just laughing his ass off. Just mostly about Marcus Smart's shooting confidence, but just uh, he was loving every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, fantastic. I don't know if he's a believer now. Um, Probably not. I had the theory that uh, Marcus Smart had transferred or done a, like a blood sacrifice of his talents and given them to Gordon Hayward, and that's why he was so good <laughs> in the Sixers game. But tonight they were both good, and so uh, that theory got thrown out the window. But I don't I like think Jay King is a. Uh, he's. I think he's too stubborn to kind of uh, believe in Marcus Smart no, now. Jake, bro, bro, he just he just missed twenty in a row, bro. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to believe in that. Uh, at Massholy, last year's Celtics had forty wins at the All Star break. Crazy that as disappointing as the season uh, has seemed, they're only three wins behind what seemed like an overachieving season last year. Expectations are a bitch. Expectations, man. It's it. They are behind last year's pace, I guess. Um, if if they didn't have these expectations, me, it's. I'm sick of talking about expectations, but it is what it is, man. It, you expect them to be a certain thing. There are there are 24 games left. Uh, they have what 37 wins. 37. So if they need to go. Oh my God! Quick math, quick math. Thirteen and nine 13 to get nine. to fifty wins. If this team wins, Wait, you said twenty-four games left. Yes, thirteen so. plus nine is not twenty-four. No, it's twenty-two. So it's twenty-two. They need to do thirteen and eleven. Something they're plenty capable of doing yeah, to get to fifty wins. I mean, I know some yahoos out there were picking them to win sixty <laughs> uh, before the season, but well, look, they're, they're fifty won- to fifty-five wins is like a, a a very solid basketball season. They've won sixty-four. Four-ish percent of their games, so twenty-four games left. That's six, twelve. Ten percent is two point four times six. Is oh my god! I really dug myself a hole there. It's like fourteen games. It's around. It's, it's around fourteen games. So they can win fourteen or fifteen. They go fourteen and ten. This, that's fifty-one pace, wins. They're four, fourteen and ten, fifteen and nine. You have fifty-one, fifty-two wins. Uh, 
Is that right? Yeah. So, um, but if they play with the pace of the past fifteen games, where they went twelve of uh, fifteen and should be fifteen and zero, if you ask some folks out there. Maybe they could win 60 still. Who knows? If Gordon Hayward's back, oh, my God, I just talked myself into a tizzy. <laughs> 60 wins is still possible. <laughs> I think they should be 58 and 0. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, at Kevin Kaysen, Tatum seems to be out to get hits tonight. Lots of head down going to the hoop. He's missing cutters and open guys. Weird. The rest of the team. Oh, you can't criticize Tatum for going to the hoop. That's a bi- like that's like one of the biggest criticisms of Tatum is too many mid range shots. I I thought he did a good job going to the hoop. He's he's a high volume shooter. Like I don't know, I don't think he's going to be the efficiency guy he was in the first three months of his career. I think like what Tatum is now. What do you have? Eighteen shots tonight. I think like he. That's just like how he gets it going. He's going to be a kind of a a high volume guy. Um, but I think he's made a concerted effort to actually attack the rim. Uh, I think he gets fouled a lot more than uh, he gets called, and um, his mom will definitely tell you about it on fa- uh, Twitter after the game. Um, <laughs> but I think Tatum has been uh, better. I think he still needs to work on his mid-range shot, but he's still a damn good mid-range shooter. And when he can get that kind of, there was that one shot against the Sixers where he just like took one step and created all the space in the world and had a, like a wide open mid-range shot. That's still a good shot for Jason Tatum. It's the kind of times where he kind of takes the ball back and has one-on-one on a on a big, and you that's when you want him to go to the rim, and that's when he takes the frustrating mid-range. But I'm, I can certainly live with some Jason Tatum mid-range shots because uh, he's quite good at it. I think it's very important to understand that Jason Tatum still has not finished his second year in the league, that he is in the middle of his sophomore season in the NBA. He's 20 years old, and it's process that and we are all guilty all guilty of looking at him and saying he needs to do this and he needs to do that and it's very frustrating that he's not doing these things but he's piecing little things together like he came out the beginning of the season and i i fully believe that he was in full kobe mode and he's he's kind of gotten out of that and he's driving more and he's starting to try to get more fouls the next step is, yeah, he's missing cutters. Yes, he's missing open guys. Is some of that just him selfishly going for his own shot? Maybe some of it's him going for his own shot selfishly. Fine. Um, he'll get out of that habit. That's the hope as he develops as a player. And he will start to find these guys or start to look for those guys. But it's it it's not all going to happen overnight. And he's, he's still figuring out who he is as a player, how to play off of these teammates. And he wants to be the main guy. He wants to be out there being the, the, a leading scorer just like anybody would in that situation, and he's got the ability to do that. So playing with these teammates, trying to trying to be more aggressive. We, we spent how much time at the beginning of the season saying, be more aggressive, get to the rim, stop taking these mid-range jumpers. And now we can't turn around and be like, Oh my God! He's just putting his head down and going to the rim. No, yeah, he had, he had eight field goals tonight. Three of them were threes, and the, all the rest were within the restricted area. Yeah, so he had three non-paint or four, like basically what you would call mid-range jump shots. One was just a crappy floater that airballed, but like he is getting to the rim or taking threes, and he's a skilled enough three-point shooter that 
he's taking open threes. I'm fine with basically any three-pointer that he's attempting unless it's like off the dribble contested, but I think I think we're like it's nitpicking at this point to criticize like everything that uh anytime a player doesn't score like what, 25 points or isn't like super right. efficient. I, I look at it like like this. If anybody's ever seen any any sculptor kind of work with clay, you put a slab of clay on and then that's supposed to be like a leg. And then you shape that clay into a leg. And that's everything that Tatum is doing. He slaps another piece of clay onto his body of work. And then once you do that, it's like, okay, some of it is putting his head down, going to the rim. That's a slab of clay. And then you slowly massage that out to this is when you should be driving. This is when you should be, when you do this, now start looking for this defender look not just for the help defender the guy behind the help defender and when you can start recognizing that second help that's when you can start really picking guys off picking picking that defense apart and kicking it out so first step is getting to the mindset of getting to the rim second step is recognize the help third step is recognizing the second help and then once you get that deep into the recognition... Then you're putting then, the clay in the kiln and putting a nice glaze on it, and you got some nice pottery. That's that's what I'm saying, Jam Packard. Woo! That's what I'm saying. Uh, at Rife C, it's nice to see Hayward has reached the point in his recovery where he doesn't miss shots. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I agree. I like that. Uh, why don't we end on that? Let's get to the junk drawer because we're going long here. All right, from quick, Rumshus... Um, Mook is so erotic that whenever he Celtics hit sixty nine points, it's because of a it's because of a Morris bucket. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that tonight, but thank you for passing uh, that's, passing that that's along. A great observation. Celtics boy says just in all caps. I ain't worried. Uh, Keith Brown. Oh my God, the heat check never ends with Marcus Smart. Uh, Marcus Smart is a uh, <laughs> Damon Damo Jones. Marcus Smart three points. Marksman, admit it, you coward, J King. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nobody, oh, this is a uh, online meme, nobody, colon, blank, Tony Brothers, Celtics days of having fun players are over. (laughs) I've noticed that meme starting to work its way around. It has. Oh, this is a good one. Um, this is from Mike Souza, just says, Thon Maker, raining junk. (laughs) That brings me to my second J. King moment of the day. He loves Thon Maker. Every single Don Maker has um, some electric moments out there tonight. He had a spin move, just some wild possessions. How many threes did he attempt? No matter what the number was, Jay <laughs> King was oh he was Don Maker was zero for five from deep. Jay King was basically rising in his seat every single time because he wanted Don Maker uh, to make a three. Don Maker is officially one of Jay King's guys, uh, and he was just amped that he was in the game. And I don't really see it because I know like the list of Jay King's guys don't make any sense to me. Um, but I guess tall guys who can shoot threes, because I know Mo Spates is on there as well. Um, but he's also a big Van Vliet guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't J. know, King, but he J. was a... Jay King's a weird guy. Who he, can follow him? He was a huge Thonmaker fan. Well, I mean, KG is a huge Thonmaker. KG said Thonmaker was going to be a future MVP. Well, that's, uh, that's insane. <laughs> Thonmaker was not great tonight. I forgot he was on the Pistons until he walked out onto the court, to be yes. honest. Um, all right, going to the, the personal jams junk drawer. Uh, just wanted to give a hearty laugh 
to the last two minute report being released five minutes before the game and the the foul on Embiid being uh, pointed out by league. It's so unproductive, but it made me laugh. <laughs> um, there was a uh, incredibly uh, baked individual. Maybe he cashed uh, Brad <laughs> Stevens Brad Stevens stash, uh, but he was eating a gallon of chicken tenders. That is just like, where did this come from? Is it's like a, a full popcorn bucket. I think there's probably fries in there. They can't fill it all with chicken, but it was a there massive... There was a lot of chicken there in was there. A, there was at least 13 chicken tenders in there. So now the question is... How much did, does that cost? Does, did, is that an item that is up for sale here? Yes, because I saw a guy later in the game. He was gone on the Jumbotron. He took his entire bucket and poured it on his head. Fries and tenders went everywhere. It's insane. That is... that. Why do people act like... There's people have a genetic flaw. There's a thing inside the human brain. When you are on camera, people do not know how to act. I've spent 20 years in the TV business, and every time a reporter was live somewhere, seemingly normal people would walk by, and once they saw they were on camera, would lose their minds and start doing insane shit. I fight the urge to dab every time I see a camera. You don't fight it very well. No, I'm no. constantly dabbing. <laughs> But, but anyway, uh, uh, here's the question is like, how fast, how much does that bucket cost? That that's, bucket of chicken, that's key. That's a question gallon of tenders. And then how many, do you think I could finish it in a quarter? Yeah, I could finish it in a quarter. That'd be a lot of chicken. It wouldn't be a fun, like, quarters it would, two, three, four. I would hope it was the fourth quarter so I could go home directly after that. But I could definitely do it. I'm a large man and All a right. big eater. All right, we got to have a, a gallon of chicken contest. You know, if if I can get maybe maybe one of these uh, maybe one of these weekend games or something like that, I can I can put in for a day off and I can just sit there as a fan. <laughs> gallon of chicken, just to eat a gallon of chicken. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. All right, I don't know. A raw, I'm sure a lot my boss about, is going to love hearing that one yeah. on the podcast. You uh, want time you, off? You for said what? you were sick, and we hear footage of you who just covered oh. in chicken. Look, I didn't say when I was going to be sick. I was preemptively <laughs> saying I was going to be sick after eating all of that chicken. All right, I don't know much about being in a chorus, but tonight a high school chorus Ooh. performed uh, the national anthem, and I can't tell if the director of the chorus, this is like normally what they do, or she was inspired by Brad Stevens, but she basically took a mad Brad timeout. They said, oh, say, can you see the first time, and she was just like, nope. Yep. Let's start this again. They were off key. It was bad. I loved it. I loved it. Like, why? No, you're not going to get it back at that point. you got to start off right with the anthem. Yep. And so, huge respect to her for calling that Mad Brad timeout. It was quality. They, they recovered well. Um, more Jay King talk. He's just talking throughout the entire game. I normally, I've sat behind him. I just didn't realize how much he's talking. But he is chattering the entire time. It's fantastic. He's a very vocal guy. Uh, but he was upset. Like, like audibly upset when the Pistons trotted out the lineup of Thon Maker, Zaza Pachulia, Wayne Ellington, uh, Langston Galloway, and Ish Smith. He was just like every single was like this is this is dog shit. This is the worst lineup I've ever seen, and it was uh, it was downright amusing. And it reminded me of that wonderful clip of Jay King doing the Zaza Pachulia dance. <laughs> um, yes, that uh, uh, that's I, a classic one. I didn't have uh, enough time or uh, wherewithal to look up myself, but it was a. Uh, um, it was just a fun experience. Um, Drummond shouldn't be flopping. He flopped twice tonight. Uh, for a man that big, you can like leave leave the grifting for the true small guys who need it like uh, like Smurf. It doesn't make any any sense to me. 
Um, Marcus Smart airballing his uh, his fifth free. Uh, thing. That was I think that we already so mentioned funny. that. Um, that was so funny, so perfectly, Marcus. Um, I think that's gonna uh, wrap it up. After that, it's just like mostly comments about Tony Brothers uh, getting very <laughs> upset. Uh, oh, would. and Dwayne Casey fouling to extend the game, and then finally, um. I was uh, the flagrant foul call on Al Horford. I don't know if we've fully done a deep dive, but after the yeah. game, just the the amount of reaction faces and like things that came out, Al Horford, sh- to no surprise to anyone, very expressive with his eyes after that. Yeah, <laughs> he was uh, very amused, and he said uh, Blake Griffin was a great actor, and I thought that was a uh, he just handled it well. He did. He he. <laughs> I still haven't seen the play. I looked down because I was—I think I was watching Isaiah Thomas I, in the, like the one replay, and from I haven't seen I, it. From what I saw, he was kind of going across to the ball was being passed to Griffin up the left, uh, or well, one of the sidelines, the sideline where the benches were. And Hayward—I mean, Horford was going for the ball. It seemed like, and then his arm hit Blake Griffin. And I, I don't know. It, it seemed like he was just going for the ball, and his his elbow. Al Horford is too much of a gentleman and a scholar and a I father would... to intentionally hurt anyone. Right. right. Uh, Anna Horford actually tweeted the last like she like looked into Twitter last time Horford flagrant, and it had been three years and since uh, there had been a flagrant <laughs> foul call on Al Horford. Uh, just absurd. And um, oh, that reminded me. Uh, speaking of kind of weird injury style things, in the first half, Gordon Hayward went for a dunk and like looked like. Blake Griffin kind of like undercut him and stuff. I don't think it was intentional. He did undercut him. But it was like, ooh, that's a scary moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hayward was still hanging on the the rim, so. I think Griffin was like, the Pistons, it seemed like they made an emphasis of like, we're going to try and run after makes. Right. So Griffin was trying to get to the ball as fast as possible, but it was just like a, I feel like in pickup that would have led to fisticuffs or at least shoving or uh, an elbow in his possession. It would have, there would have been words. For sure. There definitely would have been words. Um. I don't think it was intentional, but sometimes with Blake Griffin, you never know. And I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he meant to do it. I they because they did try to run off of makes on on other possessions, and they actually did so successfully. So I'm going to say that he was just trying to go after the ball, and he didn't expect Hayward to come swinging back that way. So, um, but. I can also see somebody looking at that and saying, like, oh, that's bullshit. He tried. But I don't think it was intentional. All right. And the last thing, um, Al Horford is powered by chocolate milk or, as he calls it, CM. And so I just love that he calls it CM. He calls it CM? Yeah. He had an How did inst- I miss that? Uh, he, he didn't. It's not recent, but he had an Instagram post where he was talking. It was like a, a, it was an ad for chocolate milk. And he just says, like, can't wait to drink some more CM. <laughs> it's just hilarious. And it's like, I'm going to go to the store and get so much CM, and I'm going to be CMing it uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, we should get sponsored by CM. I would love to get sponsored by CM. If the CM lobby is out there, and I know it, and it's actually like there is a CM lobby. They sponsor other podcasts. It's not like a specific company. It's the CM lobby. Uh, reach out to us. Seriously. Yeah. We are ready to be sponsored by somebody. And it really doesn't matter who. But, but preferably a BCM. I would love to. Or gallon of chicken. Ooh. Ooh, the Rain and Jay's gallon of chicken. Yeah. 
It's the rain. You know, you could do the pie. Well, welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast brought to you by Bucket of Chicken. Gallon of chicken. Enjoy with some CM. <laughs> Enjoy. That's <laughs> uh, I love it. I think that's I mean, it's a marriage. It's inevitable, I think. Unofficially, um, we're sponsored by CM and Bucket of CM Chicken. CM <laughs> and Gallon of Chicken. Uh, that, by the way, is a horrible sounding combination. Like, I do not want to have chicken fingers with chocolate milk. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's just somebody a strong disagree uh, from really? Jam Packard. Oh, that's not, that's not a combination. I mean, in I'm, theory, I'm, it's gross. In practice, it's probably also gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if somebody with like, I mean, maybe but if like I'm gonna a beer company or something, like paid that? to drink CM. Oh well, I mean, if you're gonna pay me, then I'll I'll eat any company. I'll dip want. the chicken in CM. Sure, man. You want to throw me a you want to throw me a few zeros? Like <laughs> I don't know when calling it CM is gonna stop being funny for me, but it's not anytime <laughs> soon. It, probably about the same time you stop dabbing. Oh, so never, 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 never. Uh, my only addition is that Mick Foley was in the house tonight. Mankind. You're not a I'm not guy. a wrestling guy. I just know him as the guy who puts a sock on his hand. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Hey, it's, a, it's the dirty looking sock guy. He's here. That, that was my guy, reaction. Th- he is such a maniac. I mean, that guy would jump off the roof of this building if you paid him enough money. <laughs> yeah, but then I saw him in the hallway like after the game. He was just like, very mild-mannered. He's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the game. It was yeah. fun. Look, he's got like a children's book. Like he's he's like a legitimate, like just a cool guy. But he's also like a wild maniac. Apparently, he had a fanny pack, and his sock was actually in the fanny pack, and he carries it everywhere. That was the chatter I heard. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I think probably because he's asked to break into character so often, he wants to like please the people. So I can see him carrying, you know, the sock, and I don't know, maybe shoving it in people's mouths as he did. That was a thing. Yeah, that was his finishing move. Oh, like weird. Sacco. And he would just like show, like that was his finisher. Like he'd get the guy, he'd stun the guy, and they put the sock on his hand, and he'd put it up, and people would go nuts. And then the guy would turn around, and he would just shove the stub of his hand with the sock in the guy's mouth, and the guy would pass out, and that would be the end of the match. Oh, weird. One time, my brother was beating me up, and he took my sock off my foot and shoved it in my mouth until I puked. <laughs> That's essentially the same thing. Oh my god! All right, that is an exceptionally great place to end this podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll do one more before this week. Mailbag, get your questions in yeah, now. Mailbag it, tag it. Rain and Jays, Rain and Junk. We'll answer your questions. We'll put all the requisite effort into it. And uh, that'll be our. I'm going to be podcast. so drunk off CM. Oh my god, <laughs> so much CM, and I, I'm going to practice by eating a gallon of chicken when I get home. I think I think it's probably going to be the way to do it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Go ahead, give us that five star rating, give us a good review, and sponsor us if you're part of the CM lobby. This has been the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. 